Coswell. What? I just want you to know, no matter what you do, you're gonna die, just like everybody else. Thank you, Rose. You're welcome. Hello and welcome to And Why Not, the movie podcast and the nerds who haunted themselves. I'm Stuart Marine. in each episode I'm joined by a guest to talk about a movie they love and see where the conversation takes us from there. If you're a regular listener, thank you and welcome back to the show. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome to the show and thank you for giving us a listen. I hope you enjoyed the film talk and, as always, and if you feel like doing so, you can keep the conversation going in the comments on our socials, in the And Why Not Facebook group, or wherever you see this episode posted. For this Valentine's Day special episode, I'm joined by Fred Egg Comics and That Comic Smells' David Robertson to discuss the 1987 Cher Nick Cage rom-com classic, Moonstruck. And now, with an advance warning on spoilers and all that introduction stuff out of the way, let's roll the trailer. The moon brings the woman to the man, capisci? The moon is a little like love. Will you marry me? I will marry you. I will be your wife. You love them, Loretta? No. Good. When you love them, they drive you crazy. Sometimes. Why are you marrying Johnny? He's a fool. It makes you act a little crazy. Where are you taking me? To the bed. Oh, God. Okay, I don't care. I don't care. Take me. Take me to the bed. Isn't it romantic? You got a love bite on your neck. Your life's going down the toilet. You'll have your eyes open for you, my friend. I have my eyes open. I'll say no more. You haven't said anything. You ruined my life. That's impossible. You ruined my life. Look, it's Cosmo's moon. Why do men chase women? Nerves. I don't want to talk about it. That moon. That crazy moon. Now... You don't. I love you. What? Snap out of it. I'm confused. They say there's nothing new under the sun. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <clears throat> but under the moon, that's another story. You love him, Loretta? Ma, I love him awful. Oh, God, that's too bad. Cher, Nicolas Cage, in a Norman Jewison film. A la familia, eh? A la familia. Moonstruck. Hello, David. How are you? Very well, Stuart. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Ticking on and whatnot. Um, how's things with you? Uh, how's things up? Uh... Things are wonderful. Good. They're, they're just excellent. Getting better every day. <laughs> and uh, more and more comics and movies all the time. That's, that's all we need. Yeah. That's- what I've been trying to convince my wife for ages, but she insists that there's other things. No, I don't know. Nothing got... else. <laughs> you, you can tell who focuses on paying the bills and making sure <laughs> everything's running. <laughs> that's true, actually. Yeah, well, I set up the road. Right so that's cool. I got a new Superman. So. <clears throat> I think we all know who the real winner is. <laughs> I, I I rewatched Superman one, two, and three over the Christmas holidays. Nice. It was great. I loved it. That you know, they're they're so good. I mean, the first two are great. The third one is is good. 
Covered the, the third one's a Richard Pryor movie with Superman in it. Yeah. There's right. too much Richard Pryor, but Richard Pryor is good. So, yeah, that's it. If you've got to focus on somebody other than Superman, it might as well be Richard Pryor. Yeah. Uh, and so it was the first time watching it with, with my boys for, for a good while. And uh, I think they were so impressed with the first two that by the time we got to the third one, it was, oh, what's happened? This is this is bad. Yeah, but, it's it's a notable drop-off, isn't it? They'll have to come around to it. You know, I'm, I'm sure in my memory it took me a few years to you know, get over how different it was from the first two. It's uh, four that sticks out the worst for me. Four. Oh, four. My, my favourite joke about four is that they literally spent pence on the film and you can see them both up on the screen. <laughs> Have you read into four how, like, half the budget was just stolen by the yeah. producer and stuff? I mean, it's just tragic, is it? But it was canon ever... as well, wasn't it? So they were constantly shifting money from one film to another and yeah, they were bankrolling one film off the back of another film and then taking that money out and putting oh, it elsewhere. For, for, you know, I always say before, the tragedy is, I mean, let's let's not get too far into this before restating it's shit. Four, <laughs> four, four is a disaster, especially after the first three. But then when you look more into it, and the, the commentary on the DVD, where the, the, the writer is explaining what they were doing and stuff, and I, I would say four's heart is in the right place. Yeah. But everything is wrong. And when you know, you look, I, I... I don't think it's anybody's particular fault. I think it was just cost cutting corners, you know, yeah. cutting corners on costs and everything really yeah. undid that film. And they reshot, well, you know, cut a lot of stuff out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of makes you wonder, like, the, how bad was that? Because oh. I've seen like photos and whatever footage they've got of some of it. And it's kind of like, is it going to add anything to the film in the long run? The, the first uh, battle with the, the first nuclear man yeah. character. Yeah. I mean, it's it's okay, but it's kind of it, yeah, it's quite repetitive, isn't it? It's but it's just, yeah, I just... it's a shame after the first two, and I will include the third one. I do like the third one. Yeah, I like four, the third one. There's no there's no excusing for. No, I mean it gave Milton Keynes something to boast about, but yeah, that's right. I remember <laughs> the uh, the review that was that was saying. Uh, Metropolis looks terrible in this, you know, not like the last one. It looks like Mil- bloody Milton Keynes in this film. <laughs> not realizing that that's exactly that it, what that it was. was Milton Keynes, yeah. <laughs> I think they still get a pilgrimage of like Superman fans going there every so often. But yeah. But yeah. No, I'm thinking of doing the summer specials this year on the Superman films from Superman the movie to Man of Steel. Yep. Okay. Which that'll be good. It's a downward projection. But... Wow. Not half. Peaks a bit for Superman Returns for me, but then, yeah, drops right back down again for Man of Steel, but that's sort of spoilers I, for the summer. <laughs> I, I was so confused by Superman Returns. Do you know that? It was just such a missed opportunity. I thought, what is this film? I mean, Superman Returns. I mean, you know, before I went to see it, I wasn't sure, well, what is it? Is it a, re- what, you know, is it a sequel? I mean, I yeah, figured that out eventually. It was like a sequel, but not... It was one of those reboot quells, wasn't it? That they like yeah. to kick around in the mid two thousands. That's right. So it's and not it was, a sequel. It's not a remake. It's and it was um, <clears throat> they were pretending it was a sequel, but everybody was different in it. All the yeah. actors were pretending that they were the same characters from that same storyline, but only some of it because they ignore like they didn't. I mean, his mum was in it, 
and she had died in Superman Yeah, I think it three, ignores but... three and four. I yeah. mean, it's a quasi sequel at best, oh, anyway. It's but it's it's bizarre. It, yeah, and um, I don't know if it was meant to be a sequel to the Donner Cut rather than the Lester Cut, but mm. I, mm. I don't know. It was all very convoluted. I just it hampered that film by tying it to. I get why you'd want to tie it to the Christopher Reeve ones on the one hand, but on the other hand, it just hampered everything. Yes. So it never really had a shot to stand on its own two feet. Its own I mean, it did well money-wise, just didn't do well enough. But I think because they built in the budget from all the previous undeveloped um, and released Superman films, that so like Tim Burton Superman's Live, that got incorporated into Superman yeah. Returns budget. So it just with lost our money. friend Nicholas it was, Cage. It was it was doomed from the beginning. But yeah, it's a it's a nicer uh, lead on to today's movie which you picked, which was Moonstruck. So a little bit of information about the film. Directed by Norman Jewison, written by John Patrick Shanley, starring Cher, Nicolas Cage, Vincent Gardina, uh, Olivia Dukakis, and Danny Aiello. Uh, released in cinemas on the 15th of January 1988 in the US after a limited release on the 16th of December 1987 and on the 15th of April 1988 in the UK. It grossed $80,642,217 worldwide on an estimated budget of $15 million. Do you remember when they made films for $15 million that got a cinematic release? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Roger Ebert gave the film four stars at four, saying, the most enchanting quality about Moonstruck is the hardest to describe, and that is the movie's tone. Reviews of the movie tend to make it sound like a madcap ethnic comedy, and that it is, uh, but there is something more here, a certain bittersweet yearning that comes across in the ineffable uh, romantic and certain magical quality that is reflected in the film's title in its warmth and in its enchantment as well as in its laughs it's the best comedy in a long time um i couldn't find a barry norman review but he did put it in his 10 picks of films of the year um for 1998 in the film 88 episode at the end of the year so yeah i mean i think roger ebert pretty much nailed it um, with with his review, um, both him and Gene Siskel were fans of it, and it was rare those two agreed. Um, so yeah, sort of, what are your memories of first seeing it? Is it a cinema job or a video or TV? It, <clears throat> my it, it coincides with the time when it was the it was the late eighties before my family got a, a a VCR and started recording movies off the telly. So it was in the initial novelty of uh, being able to record a movie and and watch it whenever you liked. You know that was still a new thing for me at the time. So um, I can't remember exactly why I recorded it, but uh, I must have just fancied it for whatever reason. And then when I watched it, I just thought it was terrific. You know, yeah. I loved it, and it's it's stayed with me ever since. I watch it every so often. And it's one of those movies that, for me, gets better every time I'm watching it. I watched it again over the weekend, and I thought it was just sublime. Yeah. No, I. it's one of those films I thought I'd seen it, because it pops up on a lot of lists of, like, best romantic comedies or 100 movies to see before you die or whatever, and you usually see the same clips. Um, usually Cher telling her mum and dad that she's getting married and the mum saying that the dad will pay for the wedding, the look on his face. Um, and him saying he's got no money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've got money, you're just stingy. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I watched it this afternoon in preparation for this. And I, I'd never seen it. And I know I've never seen it because the film was so good, there's no way I would have forgotten watching it. 
it, it's one of those films. Mm. It's like, there's no way I would have forgotten seeing this. The amount of people in it as well that you're like, oh, it's John Mahoney. It's so and so. It's yeah. It's just yeah. Yeah, I think um, maybe maybe because Cher is the star of it, maybe because they call it a rom com, and people don't take rom coms seriously or share as seriously as they should. I think. Yeah, I mean, I, some people do, I suppose, but there's a certain oh, Cher, you know. She's yeah, well, there is that. Even certain... though she is, and she won an Oscar, and yeah, you know, she doesn't. She doesn't play the uh, even even when she was Oscar nominated and, and, and won her Oscar. I mean she goes up, what do you remember? She she's gonna wear some insane outfit, right? To the yeah. to the ceremony. She doesn't care. And then the next year she'll do some fitness video or something, you know. <laughs> she doesn't give a she'll fuck. She'll do a fortieth farewell tour. <laughs> yeah, she's not she's not trying to cultivate a serious actress um image. It's, she's it's just that, fucking great in this film, yeah. you know. That's it's it. that weird thing as well because she's not Italian American. You kind of get that thing in the back of your mind of it's going to be one of those horrible, like you know, American actors doing Italian gangsters kind of thing, really over the top yeah. Simpsons style, <clears throat> Fat Tony's crew kind of thing. And um, because it's very few yeah. actual American out because Olivia Dukakis obviously is um Greek, and um, yeah, it's the, odd, the, isn't the it? old man's a Russian, but, actor. you know. I guess. And it's... Isn't he good as well? You know, He's in this great. film, everybody, all the characters have got the little character moments and their little stories, haven't they? But I think well, it's, it's, very it's not so much about way. Nick Cage and Cher, is it? It's a vignette of different characters. Uh, everybody gets their little yeah. shine. I think that scene between jumping all over the place, but um, mm-hmm. Rose and John Mahoney's character in the restaurant, and then walking home beautifully played between the two of them yeah yes a, I, I, I like it the is. running gag of john mahoney constantly having drinks thrown in his crotch <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love him um you know basically uh, how's about it then you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> will you invite me up to your will you invite me up to the house and she's like no and he says oh people in she's like oh you know i loved her line you know no you know i know who i am you, yeah you're not because i'm married and i know who i am, who I am. Beautiful line. Yeah, it's like wow. She is so straightforward. Yeah, Olympia Carcass. Every scene, even when they just saw the her father-in-law, and he just looks like, oh, he's like, oh, you're having an affair with this fella. And it's he when goes, he comes oh, home and sees her with Danny Aiello. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Okay, fine, just going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's I just I I really thought she was so. On the money every time. Yeah. Every every you you know where, where did you know that man? John says and she goes yeah. I was expecting that to go no no no. She goes yeah yeah. You know and and uh, I shouldn't really jump to you know you know the stuff at the 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 end scene where they're all at the breakfast table. That I mean, final how, scene is amazing. That is incredible. It's incredible. And it just I just think of her again. When she she's been talking about this and that, and then she just goes, "Have I been a good wife?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah. I want you to stop seeing her." It's like, "Oh, bang!" You know, and he just stands up, slams on the table, doesn't he? Yeah, and it's, like, and it's, okay. it's just the way he goes, "Okay, yeah." Like, and then I'm... and then of course that leads on to uh, her saying, "And 
go to confession, you know. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, that's it. That's broken him. He's like, oh, my life's shit, you know, and my life's based on nothing. And then again, she's like, your life isn't based on nothing, you know. It's just, it's, it's so well written. It's it's, oh, it's very an amazing meaningful. script. It's so many great lines in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the most famous one, like, was voted in some of the best uh, movie lines is when Nick Cage says he loves her and she slaps him twice and then just says, snap out of it. That I mean, is, we, we, we've all that been there. <laughs> yeah. I love Nick that. Cage... We... Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Oops. I was going to say, Nick Cage is great. This. this film walks perfectly on that knife edge where it could easily tip over into like farce or over the top. Because the acting, it, that scene where Nicolas Cage is asking for the knife so he can ki- uh, kill himself in front of Cher, that scene is so overplayed, but it's so in keeping with it in the overly dramatic character the ears and the lovelorn girl who works in the bakery who's like, in love with him but could never tell him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but it's it, all, it, all on that life edge, yeah. What is life? Dude, I didn't come here to upset you. They say bread is life. And... And I bake bread, 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 and I sweat and shovel this stinking dough in and out of this hot hole in the wall, and and I should be so happy. Huh, sweetie? You want me to come to the wedding of my brother Johnny? Where's my wedding? Chrissy, over by the wall. Bring me the big knife. No, Ronnie. Bring me the big knife. I'm going to cut my throat. Maybe I should come back another time. No, I want you to see this. I want you to watch me kill myself so you can tell my brother Johnny on his wedding day, okay? Chrissy, bring me the big knife! I tell you, I won't do it! She won't do it. Do you know about me? Oh, Mr. Camarero. What? Do you know about me? Mm-mm. Okay. Nothing is anybody's fault, but things happen. This wood is fake. Five years ago, I was engaged to be married, and uh, and Johnny came in here, and he ordered bread for me. And I said, oh, okay, some bread. <laughs> and, and I put my hand in the slicer, and it got caught because I wasn't paying attention. The slicer chewed off my hand. <laughs> it's funny because when my fiance found out about it, but she found out that I'd been maimed, she left me for another man. That's the bad blood between you and Johnny? Yes, that's it. Yeah, but I, that's not Johnny's fault. I don't care! I ain't no freaking monument to justice! I lost my hand! I lost my bride! Johnny has his hand! Johnny has his bride! You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away, and forget it? It's, it's all, yeah, it's bring me the knife! Bring me the knife! I'm going when he flips the table before they kiss for the first time. Yeah! Oh, Bloody hell. You know, when I first watched this, I was a teenager and Nicolas Cage wasn't Nicolas Cage yet for me. So he was just this character in this movie, you know. So I don't really, I still watch it and don't have any of this baggage that there's Nicolas Cage. Yeah. I believe he is, uh, he is Ronnie, you know, working away in that that bakery. I I love it when he's explaining how, you know, he, he he, he made me look the other way and I lost my hand. And it's all so over the dramatic, and yeah. and then it goes back to uh, 
to Loretta, you know. I keep, I always just call her Cher. It goes back to Cher. Yeah. Loretta, <laughs> it goes back to Loretta, and she's. Um, but that wasn't his fault, you know. That, he he's got this big huge story. She's like, well, that wasn't his fault, you know. What are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, I don't care. It's brilliant. He he is in his own operatic, over the top, mad world, and she's walked into it, going, "What's all this?" Yeah, yeah. It's, it's great because she plays. The, the Loretta character isn't a particularly glamorous character, certainly not the beginning. When she gets the makeover, it's yeah. like, I can see why they can't share now. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks really old, not in the face, but just the grey hair really sort That's of, right. And she's just so downbeaten in that. And it's... Um, <clears throat> her style, yeah. Her clothing yeah. and all that. She's kind of dumb trodden. Miserable. Because I love when they go to meet outside the opera. And just oh, yeah. they're both looking around and neither can spot the other because obviously she's seen him in a wife beater and disheveled. Yeah. And he's seen her like grey hair and looking old and just like a yeah. shadow of a woman kind of thing. Yeah. He he's like, Oh, you look beautiful. She's like, You look good too. I love that. <laughs> you look good too. Thanks. I love the way she reacts to the chandelier and the opera house oh, yeah. as well. Yeah. Just a lovely little scene. I love the way they play at the opera on her face. Yes. I don't know the fact that she's got, like, I don't get it, but it just it moves because I feel very much the same with opera. Like, yeah. I don't get it at all, but it's genuinely moving. So it's a good one. Mm. Not something I'd actively seek out, but when you've caught bits like flicking through Sky Arts or something, you just catch it for a little bit longer than you planned to. Yeah, I'm pretty ignorant of opera. I I am. I couldn't tell you an opera. <laughs> probably this movie is about. Well, I mean, I do love Amadeus as well. The movie. Yeah. So probably this and Amadeus is about it for me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but even uh, the opera again when she meets uh, she meets her dad with yeah. his oh that that scene's incredible as well. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And then it's like they both sort of realise it's like, it's like dad, okay, busted. leave it, leave it. Listen, <laughs> you know, okay, I didn't see you, leave it. <laughs> it's like okay, checkmate, you know, quit. His, his mistress as well is great. Again, oh, this yeah. is a no small part of the film. Everybody's fantastic in it. Yeah, I love the old men meeting around the grave to talk. Oh yeah, that scene is amazing as well. I was thinking about that today. What are they doing? I mean, obviously I they're, they're obviously just visiting some, you know, dead person that they all knew or something. But it's like one of their wives or it's one of their friends yeah. who's died. But it's never explained. You don't need no, to know. It's, it's just, just this that's weird thing. Yeah, but. Oh. It's great. Like I say, he's great. I love his line at the end where it's, it's all tensions building around the table. It's just like, somebody tell a joke. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and then he's, he's like, what's wrong, Pop? I'm confused. <laughs> you can't follow what's happening. Oh, and so when he good. goes to give the second plate of food to the dog, yeah. like, old man, if you feed any more food to the dog, I'm going to kick you till you're dead. And he just yeah. stops, and drops his shoulders, turns, turns around okay. and sits back down. <laughs> I love to... You know, has seen as well where in the bre- in the morning and uh, at the breakfast table when he comes in, and he just goes, "Okay," you can tell just by what he says that he's been thinking about this, and now he's going to say it. Now listen up, you know, the grandfather's talking now. You know, he's just like, "Now listen," she gets married, you pay for the wedding, you'll split your family apart. That's it. I've said it right, and he sits <laughs> down, and they're all like, "Okay, pop," you know, it's like, and and share kind of like smiles, you know. Yeah. Good job, Grandad. So I think, you know. So I was watching the documentary on the Blu ray, and they said that Norman Jewison 
saw him in In the Name of the Rose, so contacted Sean Connery and asked him what he was like. Uh-huh. Apparently, Sean Connery was like, he's deaf, he's blind, and he'll steal every scene that he's in. Oh, yeah. And he did. And he did. <laughs> Which is, is impressive <laughs> in this film. I think, like, him and uh, um, Olympia Dukakis are, like, well, they're both amazing. She's got great mm. lines. Yeah. Her, uh, when she turns around to Cosmo and tells him that, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, you're still going to die. And he yes. says, thank you, Rose. And just the way she says, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome, yeah. And her reaction when Nicolas Cage turns up at the house at the end, just as she's walking in, she's like, Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> I love that conversation as well. You know, when she's trying to figure out why the men cheat, she's obviously thinking about her yeah. husband. And so she's asking people, eh? And she Danny asks Aiello Johnny. Was great with yeah, his answer. yeah, exactly. He's and he's like, "Why?" Blah blah blah. And she, "Why?" Did so this whole thing about the rib. Yes, that's just right. Trying to get the missing piece back. Yeah, that's why did they chase women? And he gives his big biblical explanation, and it's just like, "Well, why do they need more than one?" He's like, "I don't know. Maybe the fear of death. That's it. <laughs> that's it. Thank you." And he and he immediately goes, "I don't know. I just said that. I don't know. No, that's it." <laughs> Brilliant. Then her dad comes in and they have that conversation. Yeah. And that's about, it. I'm not telling that you, you didn't tell me to... anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. I love Do this little thing where I keep forgetting his bags as well. His suitcases. Yeah. Oh, that's I mean, there was seemingly completely almost arbitrary, I wouldn't say pointless, but there was stuff in this film that was just there to be funny. Yeah. As kind of a balance to, because it's, the film's full of, I really noticed that everybody's it's full of death, isn't it? Everybody's yeah. everybody's died, they're gonna die, they've cursed the plane, I'm gonna kick you to death, you know, I'm gonna kill myself with this knife. It's it's just the do it's all death, death, death. And I thought, well, you know, I guess the older I'm getting watching it every time, it gets more and more <laughs> closer. To the, to the point where I generally thought that like Cher was gonna die when she's walking down the road kicking the can. Oh yeah. I was like, she's going to hit by a fucking truck or something. That's where this really? film's going. Wow. Yeah, I guess. Because there was just so much focus on thing. death in yeah. it. And then, like I say, the literal kick in a can. You're right. Bloody hell. Well done. <laughs> I never thought of that. I was caught up in the ro- the romance of that yeah. moment, this this viewing. You know, she's just walking down there in her world of her own, isn't she? She, I mean, she looks so lovely in that scene as well. Not, yeah, not in yeah. a creepy, you know, no. leering, lecherous man kind of way, but it's so beautifully shot and framed. And, and the, you can Norman tell... Jewison didn't get win an Oscar when like the script won an Oscar. Two of the, the two main ladies in it won an Oscar. That Norman Jewison didn't is shocking. I know. Because he really captures the emotions of all the people. Yeah. I mean, that you, I mean, Maybe I'm reading into it, but I just felt the the freedom, the, you know, the lightness in her heart, you know. Yeah. She's kind of ruined her life, right? I mean, she just slept with her fiancé's brother. Everything's fucked, but she's just, who cares, you know? And hopefully, you know, we've all been in that mindset at one point or another, where, yeah. you know, everything's, everything's ATF, but who cares, you know? <laughs> I, I love the way she's like, when her and Nicolas Cage were sleeping together, so. Like, what about Johnny? It's like, you hate him. Take it out on me. Yeah. <laughs> but just leave me a skin and that shell was, of a woman. <laughs> that was yeah. That was that was good, wasn't it? Because it's the whole <laughs> thing that she likes Johnny, but she doesn't love him. But exactly. he's, he's a nice man. I love his proposal. Yeah. That was like you know, get down on on your knees. What on the floor? This yeah. is a nice suit. That's right. 
<laughs> he doesn't want to give up his pinky ring. Uh, it, it was nice the 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 staff in the restaurant as well. That was their reaction. You know, yeah. he, he's on the floor. He's got, oh, that's a he's good got a room in that suit. <laughs> yeah, and I love that he's mourning him because he's like last great bachelor customer. Yeah. <laughs> Because he's great in this, because, again, Danny Aiello, you generally see in dramatic roles, mm-hmm. he is usually, like, a gangster or... Yeah. Well, I love Do the Right Thing. That's one of my favorite yeah. films. And he is amazing in that. Yeah. I mean, he's got one of the pivotal lines in that, you know. Well, not not to get onto that film, but just the way he goes, I just killed your fucking radio. It's like, yeah. oh, shit. Everything's going to go nuclear now, you know. I think that's possibly why I thought this film was going to take a dark turn because obviously, do the right thing turns on a dime at the end. Spoilers yeah. for that film. But, yeah, yeah. But I, I guess I had Danny Aiello in my head. I love that you think it's building up to a big confrontation at the end, and it's all just fine. <laughs> I know the you, absolute... you can't marry her because he's afraid that it'll kill his mother. Yeah, which is just more superstitious madness, isn't it? But the absolute brass neck of uh, of Ronnie when it's like, well, you need a ring. And he goes, oh, can I borrow that ring? It's like, wow. I mean, my goodness. I, I do I, love he, that. And I love when he tells him his family now. It's the old man tells him his family now, isn't it? That's right. At, at yeah. the very end. It's a lovely old man. And I love yeah. that photo that plays up this behind on the end credits. Well, they oh, all look kind of miserable. Yeah. Do you know when it, when it, um, when they're all having their drink and oh, to family and all that, and, and the camera leaves the room and then it goes on to the old photo on the on the wall, yeah. doesn't it? From from decades ago. I I always thought, oh, odd ending, I suppose, okay. But watching it now, I mean, we're 30, 30 plus years down the line now, Stuart. You know, yeah. this is ridiculous, you know. So I'm um, so it's like um all all the young people in this film are the old people now, you know, now. Yeah. 20, 20, wherever we are, 2023. 20, and, and the old the old people are all gone and you know and and i just thought it's it really it touched me in a funny way that the two old people on the photo to finish it i thought well that's everybody you know that's that's going to end up being everybody the whole yeah. family everybody's just an old photo you know if you're lucky maybe there's no old photo even anyway <laughs> so it got it got to me maybe i just hadn't had enough to eat last night no no i know what you mean it's i mean everything in this film feels deliberate yeah, it's emotional so, and it's funny. From from the weird hanging on the Metropolitan Opera scenic yeah. shop, is it? Sign on the van. It seems to follow that for ages. Mm-hmm. Where where yeah. is that going to come into play? And then you, you right. see it getting unloaded into the thing. Yeah. Obviously, it plays in later because that's the opera they go to see. Yeah, because that truck goes past Cher briefly at the start. Because I was like, did they kick in the a truck? load of money for this film? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Because they're getting more product placement than like Pepsi at the front of a screen. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, I I love to, uh, this is a film, like I say, it's, you don't really get a lot of time to get to know the characters, but you get to know so much about them from just the little vignettes that they all have. That's and there's right. nobody in it that you're like, there's no antagonistic character. Danny Aiello's a, a nice guy. Mm-hmm. The parents are nice. All right, the dad's cheating, but at the same time, he still loves his family. His mistress isn't a bitch. She's a nice character. Yeah. Um, there's, there's nobody even, there's no real drama in it beyond cheating on your fiance with his brother. But even that's sort of played in such a sweet way that you're kind of like, you're kind of like, you're, you're rooting for two people that are basically. <laughs> 
That's I a mean, good obviously point, it all works yeah. out in the end, but I do love the difference between when he rings from Sicily on his, his mother's deathbed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, she like, she's still alive. And then he's just in tears, like wailing. He kind of walks over. You just see him back from the back of me. <sighs> and, and the mother's the in the bed kind of like, what the fuck is all this fuss? <laughs> <laughs> I love the old woman at the airport as well. He's put a curse oh, yeah. on the plane. She was great, yeah. He does he that whole thing. It. Like really dramatic about it, you know. Yeah. Tells the story of her sister stealing the man from her and she didn't even love him. She just did it out of spite. Yeah. Like put a curse on this plane. She was like, I don't believe in curses. And the other one's like, Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, I I loved this film for, for decades. And just by the way, I was always um you know, I was all I was always to my wife, you know, that Moonstruck, Moonstruck, oh Moonstruck. And she's like, no, nah, she's never seen it. Also, she's not a fan of rom-coms, you know, in general. Right. So, But I, I'm more likely to watch a rom-com than my, than my wife is. And I says, well, look, yeah, but 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 Moonstruck is maybe the best. It's my favourite. It's it's so good, you know. So she finally watched it last year. I mean, it, yeah. took, it took years and years. And she went, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's weird because it's such a non-rom-com rom-com kind of thing, isn't it? It's... It's yeah, almost I mean, it's... A, a Woody Allen rom-com kind of thing, like a Hannah and her sisters or something. You're following so many different characters. Yeah. I love the bit in the middle, obviously where the Moonstruck title comes from, where they're all looking mm. at Cosmo's moon mm. and the different ways that the old man getting his dogs to howl at it. And, yeah. And I love the aunt and uncle couple. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> where he sort of gets so. frisky and she's just laughing yeah. at him. And then yeah. when he's in the shop the next day. Yeah, he's all happy, isn't it? Isn't it romantic? Yeah. And I like the couple in the shop when she goes to get the champagne before she goes home to tell her parents. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Do you know what I see when I look at you? The girl I fell in love with. Oh, just and, and everybody's her. everybody's just like smiling at that and, and I'm smiling watching it, you know. It's just terrific. It's, it's just so great... well done because you think it's going to be that cliche thing of like, you know, an old shrew or something like that. And he's just like, Wins are over with just this, like you know, sweet romantic life. Yeah, it really is. You know, you uh, the point you made a, a minute ago about the the maybe the lack of kind of normal movie drama. You know, nobody's trying to kill anybody or anything here. Nobody's even tra- really trying to do anything bad like that. And yet the film is so engaging. I feel it. I feel a movie like this is. A lot harder to write and make, you know, than than a standard drama. You, yeah. you know, you know the whole essence of what is it? The essence of drama is conflict and all that. You know, it's like, well, how about trying to write something that you know isn't like that, but still make it be great? You know, I mean, that's that's it. I, mean I, I imagine as a comedy that's gentle like this one is as well. I mean, there's there's great little out there sort of moments in it. Like say the old men meet from around the grave, those sort of quirky scenes, a bit like when teachers, when you used to see like a lion walk around in the background of the school or something. It's it's like subtly done, but it's it is a gentle. There's no high stakes in it. In, no, there's in no other hands, stakes. it'd be a tortured affair, and you know, it yeah. end with one of them dead. Or I think I think it ties into something more. I hate to say real because it's not real, but. You know, no, yeah, definitely. yeah, it's gentle, and it's and it's not a, like a to me, it's not a cliche movie dramatic, and yet it's gentle, 
but it's all about death. You know, it feels it feels like the stakes are more real in a film like this than yeah. than I mean, you enjoy a different film like you know Die Hard or something. I mean, yeah. this is nothing like that. Of course, it isn't. But and I know I feel like you're left with more maybe or different kind of thing from a film, from this film personally. I like Die Hard, but given a choice, I'd watch this again. Yeah. You know. No, I mean, I can see why you'd watch it every year. I imagine it's one of those films that you're going to get more from it each time you watch it. Yeah. Both in just the comfort of what it is, but also mm. in just like picking up little bits you missed or, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. I, again, I love Cher, what I'm calling the makeover scene. It's not really a makeover scene. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. You know, she's just like, get rid of the grey. Everybody in the hairdressers is like, finally? Yeah. And then just her walking along and seeing the dress and... That is an interesting little scene right after that, isn't it? Where you see her in her in her house on her own and she's just taking time to look at herself in the mirror and try on the gear and have a wee glass of wine and all that. And it's like, a, a, I don't know, 20 seconds or something. It doesn't move the plot at all. It's a wee bit where now Loretta yeah. is taking on board what she could look like if she... I you think it's as well, you get the feeling she's never really spent money on herself. Yes. Yes. She's, this is a new kind of thing for her. Because she's indulging it a little bit. And, and obviously she forgets to take the money to the bank, which then leads to what would be a big dramatic scene at the end. But it's just like, How oh, no, brilliant. I forgot to take it. And they're like, we knew you wouldn't have done anything How dodgy. How brilliant <laughs> was that? I was thinking about that today, how funny that was. Because that's so well played as well. They're like, do you? I mean, it's written to perfection. Do you have something to tell us, Loretta? You know, it's exactly what she's like. No, what? Totally. But you know, we went to the bank, and then you see it dawn on her, yeah. don't you? She's like, oh, the bank! I forgot the money, and and they're like immediately, oh, I knew it, you know. And I thought, what a funny scene to put in the middle of that high drama about all the romantic entanglements between everybody. That their bit is this thing about the the money. And and then I thought, well, they needed a reason to be there as well at the yeah. table, you know, in terms of writing it. So that was perfect. I say it because it's pretty much everybody there to the point where you're like, when's John Mahoney going to show up for those <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, you know, he plays his sort of creepy part as well. But you even sort of like him, even though he's a creepy bastard, you know. Yeah, he had a great couple of years in the late 80s with this and Say Anything as the dad. He's amazing in that part as well. Yeah. Ten Men. Yeah. He's tremendous in Ten Men as well, with Danny DeVito. Yeah, he's one of those actors that, because he's so famous for being Marty Crane in Frasier now, that you sort of forget. I mean, again, he was amazing as Marty Crane as well. Yeah. Not to take anything away from him for that as well, but you forget how great That's he right. is in... But even in things like uh, In the Line of Fire, with his small part in that, he's great. Mm-hmm. But um, he, he's amazing in this. I love, like I say, that scene between him and um, Rose in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Beautifully played. I love her thing about, you know, I'm too old for you. I'm too old for me. That's right. I'm too old for me. That's the, my predicament. And I love his explanation about, you know, it's exciting when he first became a professor. He was talking about something he loved, but then after a while, it just becomes the thing he does kind of thing. And yeah. then look out into the crowd and you'll see a pretty young face. Yeah. You'll see that That's excitement thing, yeah. on her face. And, you know, then eventually... They'll ask him out on a date, and then eventually they'll realise that he's all bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He, he is a creep, but the film gets you into his psyche, and you see where he's coming from. You know, yeah. you do see where he's coming from. 
I mean, you you might also think, fucking stop it and grow up, you know. But you do understand what he's saying, you know. That's it. Again, in a lesser film, he would have been the caricature, you know, creepy, yeah, semi-pedophilic. Yes, exactly. University lecturer taking advantage of his students kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But in this film, he's a human character. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he's not doing anything criminal by dating his students. It's very different in America. It's weird. I think it's frowned upon, but, you know, it, it seems to be a trope in America of college professors dating their uh, students. Well, I've seen it over here as well. Well. <laughs> <laughs> say no more. But, yeah, it's just... But, like you say... Again, all the characters you get. I mean, you kind of see. I love the little bit with the dad, with the plumbing job. Mm-hmm. Which is like, there's three kinds of pipes. Your pipes that are crap. Uh, <laughs> whatever the middle one is, that you know, are cheap and won't last. And then copper. He's like, copper is where I'd go. Copper's expensive, but it saves you money. And then him recanting that to his mistress at the restaurant afterwards, and her just being so engrossed in it. Yeah. But... Yeah, it's funny that she was so likable as well. He's he's a little bit of stuff. Because you're kind of like, why is this scene in of him doing a plumbing yeah. job? But then you kind of see that that's where he comes alive. Yeah. Because beginning of the film, obviously, he won't sleep because it's too close to death. And you've got Olympia Dukakis's frustration at him um, not sleeping with her. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he'll sit downstairs on like listening to that record, and then he'll come upstairs and just ignore me. Yeah, and it's again, it's it's well played. They don't really delve into like the CD details of why he had an affair or anything like that. You just you can figure it out for yourself, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just a shell of a man at home, kind of thing. And what about those eggs and toast that Olympia the carcass makes? I know. Oh, I God, every time that scene comes on, I'm like starving for it. I was like, that's how you do eggy bread. Oh yeah, that's that is on my list of things to try. Occasionally, I watch a movie and I'm like making a note of that. That's getting tried at some point. <laughs> yeah, pure straight to the heart heart attack material. But oh, but wonderful! I know it's it's mm. again the food in this. It all looks great. I can understand mm. why she gets pissed off with the old man feeding to the dogs. <laughs> He's got five dogs. <laughs> they will come downstairs to greet Cher. <laughs> He's just calling them back up. Uh, I, I liked I liked Nicholas Cage's little bit right at the end. It's maybe the last line he said. You know, it's after the the it, well, it's kind of a mirror. Do you, do you love him, Loretta? Oh, I love that. And and she goes, "I love him awful." You know. That's it. Oh and then, God, that's and then bad. there's like a pause, and and then and then he and then he just repeats, "She loves me." He just says it, and he's just so pleased with himself, you know, and. It's just great. I love it. She loves me, he says. It's, it's just it's wonderful. Such, it's such a nicely tied together little bow, isn't it? Like yeah. you say, you think it's building to this big confrontation. Mm-hmm. And it all... Well, it's very tense, isn't it? It's so tense. But so you know, well every, played. Every I love Nicholas Cage door. just awkwardly yeah. sitting there. And just Every so often people will stare at him like, who are you? Like, I'm Ronnie. <laughs> He's like, That's yeah. Johnny's brother. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like you said, it's just so well written, so sharply written. Because um, John Patrick Shanley is the Irish American, not Italian American, but he grew up. I think what he said in the documentary was that he grew up pretty much across the street 
from the Italian American family than sort of had envy before that. They basically did it all just from studying that. Right. But he does it, he's written it so well. Um, even I'll down to, to the Catholic that. guilt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, there was plenty of that as well. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> that scene is even great in the confession when Cher's like, you know, whatever, I can't even remember what it was. I stole an orange, you know, I, I took the Lord's name in vain and, you know, I slept with my fiance's brother. She slips that one in the middle, didn't she? Yeah, it's and, like and that last one. He's like, like, well, that's not a sin. Oh, oh Let's yeah, go okay. Back to what, the was one, what was the one in the middle? <laughs> in fact, he calls a Loretta as well, so he knows who it is. <laughs> yeah, that's painful. And I thought that tied in, but at the end, um, when, uh, when, when Loretta's mum says, you know, and go to confession. Just yeah, it's like yeah, we've already set up. When you go to confession, you're speaking to, you know, Bob or some guy you know, you know, that's the priest. So, I I love that uh, great line at the end as well when she says about his um Johnny's mother's uh, pulled through, I'm gonna die. <laughs> it's a miracle. It's like this is modern times. You don't have miracles. It's like maybe they don't have modern times in Sicily yet. That's that right. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Great little. <laughs> yeah, the way you got a love is... bite on your neck. You got. Oh, oh yeah, she hides in the cupboard. Your, your life's going down the toilet. <laughs> and when Cher gets up after having slept with Nicholas Cage the following morning, just goes and hides in his wardrobe, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That that scene is amazing. I know it's not probably the most famous scene, but the way the way she's like, you know, right, okay, but that, that's it. We forget this happened, you know. We, we you know, I'll marry your brother. That's it. We never talk, and he and he just, I can't do that. Why not? I'm in love with you. It's just brilliant. <laughs> I'm in love with you now. That's it. I, it's I that, that slap as well. It's perfect. Oh, the first one's quite soft, but then the second one just pulls, and then the second yeah, one, yeah, the two, you feel the two, that slap. Two for the price of one. Snap out of it. I can't. It's such a well delivered line as well. Again, whole, you can see scene, why she won the Oscar for this film. Yeah, um, I'm surprised Nick Cage wasn't up for it. I don't know if he was up for an Oscar or not. I know he didn't win for this. He won a few years later, didn't he, for leaving Las Vegas? But ah, I don't know. I mean, he was well. He was new to me. But, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess he'd done what? Uh, Raising Arizona. Maybe that was before this. Can't yeah, remember. I think it might. Have... Or it might have been just after. It's definitely late eighties. I can't remember exactly when. But yeah, I, I mean, critics might struggle with his performance in this because he is. He's, I mean, of, of all of them, if anybody's pushing it close and a little bit over the edge of overacting, it's him. But you can buy into it as that tormented oh, man who's just tortured brilliant. himself for five yeah. years. It's absolutely... He's, he's perform, he, it's, It just grabs you. This I mean, lunatic in the bakery. I, I live with a teenage son, so I see that drama every day. That <laughs> you, you know it's real. That, that over the top, and like, oh, you yeah. know, with, with nobody reining him in, just that angst on his own... Yeah, wrapped up in his own self-importance kind of thing. But then, yeah. again, like I say, in lesser hands, that could have been really over the top and thrown it. But I think he mm -hmm. walks that knife edge, like I say. Yeah, getting because I mean, you look at Nicolas Cage now. Yeah, where he is, it's like you know, it's Nick Cage. It's not sure. It, yeah, it's not Nick Cage playing so and so. It's it's Nick Cage as. And you know they they got all those Nicolas Cage over the top things. You know, That's for right. better or worse, in some films it's great, in some films it's like, yes, yeah. bring it a little bit back in. But well, I think he's great in this. It's uh, yeah, I think he is, and you know he mellows out. That, like I say, the scene at the opera where he just sort of brushes his finger against her hand before they hold hands, kind of thing, and yeah, the conflict she feels about you know wanting to be with him, being in love with him, but 
having made a promise to Johnny. Yeah. And and like I say, you don't hate Danny Aiello. He's a sweet guy. He's a bit. Yes, you know, yeah. He's just of his own self importance, but yeah. boring. But well, he's a baby. He's <laughs> a baby. That's what the dad says, eh? He's a baby. And I always think of that when he's crying about nothing and oh my mom's dying. Oh no, she's alive again. I can't marry you. Uh I I thought that the, there was that pivotal scene where they go to the opera and then uh, they're finished. They've done their opera now. So what now? Oh, well, well, we're finished now, you know. And then I like Nicholas Cage gets his big speech there about what love is. And yeah. It's, no, love's for ruining your life. It's for you do everything. You love all the wrong people, you know. It's all... He's just ranting, eh? How... how it's no like in the movies. It's it's crazy. It's it ruins everything. It ruins your life. Now get upstairs and get in my bed. And I love like, his whole thing as well about you know you didn't settle the first time. You waited. Why didn't you wait this time? Because like, he right. never came. Yeah, I was, like, I was right here. That's right. I'm here. You're late. Because a daily is brilliant. Because again, I think it was um, Cher fought for Nicolas Cage to be in the film. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. She liked one. him, and it is quite nice as well to see that massive age gap. Where it's oh, yeah. the female, the actress who's the older one. Yeah. Whereas it's not, you know, your 50 odd Tom Cruise with your 21 year old. Yeah. I standard. mean, it's not that big an age gap, but yeah. It's, and again, that's not, that was an example off the top of my head. I'm not calling Tom Cruise out. I, I know no, but that's most. I know he does hold the record, but yeah. <laughs> it, it is. I mean, I suppose. I mean, I watched the, uh, I watched this. It, in Tom Cruise's defense, he, he doesn't look 60 years old, but. No, but he is. There's, there's still that icky thing about that he is. <laughs> I, I, I was going to, before I got into bashing older men, younger women, I was going <clears> to, <throat> did I say that right? Older older men, younger women. Before yeah. we got into that, I was I was just going to say, I, I watched this as a teenager and I just thought, wow, I, I just love Cher. I'm in love with Cher. Yeah. You know, and she was like, you know, 20 years older than me. You know, I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'll throw it all away for share. I'm, I'm still like, um, if you see, do you like share? And somebody will, huh? I say, if you see Moonstruck, you love share. Yeah. Especially at a certain, you know, impressionable age, maybe at any age. I'm just sort of obsessed with share and Moonstruck. No, um, I can and, fully understand that. Like I say, yeah. <laughs> it's not so much when she's made up to look quote unquote pretty. She mm. looks pretty before. She just looks yeah. beaten by life kind of thing. And she That's plays right. that brilliantly. Because yeah. you can imagine a lot of actresses of that or, you know, celebrities, performers of that thing, not wanting to play dowdy that mm. well. They'd still want that. Because you get that old cliche, don't you? Like, you know, the ugly girl who's turned pretty with a makeover. It's like, she's not ugly, though. You just put her in dungarees and put some glasses on her. Yeah. That's like She's great. still stunning, whereas Cher looks like somebody you would see on the street yeah yeah as in you know pass on the street not working as a hooker <laughs> i knew what you meant yeah in, in the non-prostitute sense of on the street mm-hmm. um but yeah when she's had the makeover it's not even so much about the makeup and the hair it's she projects how that makes her feel as a character yeah. an attitude about herself it's, it says something that you, know, you never really look at it and be like oh share kind of thing you know it, it's share you're not an idiot you know it's share but you're so engrossed in Loretta as a character mm-hmm. that you're not really thinking of her as, oh, it's Cher playing a part. She, That's right. 
I'll be perfectly honest. I could take or leave Cher. The songs she's done, I've liked. She's been in films that I've liked. She's been yeah. good in films that I've liked. Yeah. But I've never been like, you know, I'm in love with Cher. And watching this, you're kind of like, I'm at least in love with Loretta, if not. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it's yeah. more and more, because she's not a perfect character either. No. She knows what she wants. She's stubborn. <laughs> Physically abusive, let's say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't think you'd win an argument with her. So what's your news? I'm getting married. Again? Yeah. You did the SWAT before it didn't work out. But the guy died. And what killed him? He got hit by a bus. No, bad luck. Your mother and I were married 52 years. Nobody died. You were married, what, two years? Somebody's dead. Don't get married again, Loretta. It don't work out for you. Who's the man? Johnny Camareri. Joe. He's a big baby. And why isn't he here with you telling me this? Because he's flying to Sicily. His mother is dying. More bad luck. I don't like his face, Loretta. I don't like his lips. When he smiles, I can't see his teeth. What does he hide? When are you going to do it? In a month. I won't come. you got to come. you got to give me away. I didn't give you away the first time. And I had bad luck. You know, maybe if you, if you gave me away and I got married in a church, in a wedding dress, instead of down at the city hall with strangers standing outside the door, then maybe I wouldn't have had the bad luck I had. Maybe. You know, Pop, I had no reception, no wedding cake, no nothing. Johnny got down on his knees and proposed to me at the Grand Ticino. He did? Yeah. That don't sound like Johnny. Well, where's the ring? Here. It looks stupid. It's a pinky ring. It's a baby's. It's a man's ring. It's temporary. Everything is temporary. That don't excuse nothing. You're coming? Like I say, I think if I'd have seen this as a teenager, I probably would have gravitated towards Nick Cage. Like, mm-hmm. That's the moody bastard that I want to be. Because it is that teenager, <laughs> young man example, isn't it, of being like, you know, oh, I'm broody and mysterious. It's like, no, you're a stroppy twat. Yeah. You're being all dramatic and shit. But that bakery, that downstairs in that bakery looks grotty as anything as well. <laughs> Reminds me of my granddad shed at the end of his garden. Mm-hmm. But it's such a nice, again, it feels like a lived in world. The house they live in feels lived in. It's not, I know John Mahoney says it's a mansion, mm. but you know it doesn't. It feels like a family home. It doesn't feel like an extravagant. You look at some American family films. You're like, Jesus, you must be like working for the mob or something to be able to afford. Yeah, this this doesn't yeah. feel like that. I mean, obviously, it's prime New York real estate. Mm-hmm. And you I love the shot of, of the house and her coming out and walking up the street, and you can see New York City skyline in the background across the river. That's right. It's just a beautifully framed shot. Again, Norman Jewison is amazing as a director, specifically for this. Yeah. I yeah, mean, you could kind of buy... I mean, it was it was a nice house they had, but you can kind of buy it thinking of the age of the family and they, if they'd moved in there decades before, they would have been able... I'm probably overthinking it, but like if you tried to buy that place now, you would have to be very rich. Well, yeah. If they'd been there for decades... Well, with the old photo of the the original couple moved that moved in, um, as I'm imagining, that's what that is. Yeah, you see it as like a family. It's, I do like John Mahoney saying, like, you know, what's your husband doing? Like, he's a plumber. He's like, well, that explains it. Which could either be read as, you know, <laughs> he's a plumber. Yeah. Italian American plumber. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
he's actually whacking people. But, you know, <laughs> or, you know, yeah, I can understand it. Plumbers fucking mm-hmm. rip people off kind of thing. That's yeah. not a disparaging thing against plumbers. That's playing up that stereotype. Of, I love it. Like I say, I love his thing with the couple, with the pipes, with the husband's like, you know, I think we should do what he says. Yeah, that was that is an interesting scene because, I mean, you don't know, do you? You get some, I mean, especially... They're not living in internet times where once the plumber's gone, you go and look it all up and research it yourself. You've yeah. got some guy that comes in your house and tells you, buy this expensive stuff because I'm saying so. And now you have to stand and decide whether you're going to believe him or not. That, that that's, was that's 10 grand 1987 money as well. Yeah. Yeah. So good. So, I mean, it's almost like every scene is something for you to sit and think about as yeah. well as... as uh, that's it. It gives you just story. enough to fill in some gaps for yourself, you yeah. know, rightly or wrongly, but sort of take it off in your own way. And it's yeah. great for that because, like you say, you, you fill in the character blanks. So it keeps yeah. you thinking about the film. That's the other thing with this film compared to, say, some more modern ones, is you'd know every little detail, you know, why he was having an affair, you know, if he was a dodgy plumber. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it'd all yeah. be laid out for you. You'd have nothing really left to think about afterwards, other than whether or not you liked that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, mm. It's mm. yeah. But what do you think of the score, the music? It's it's good. I like, I like it. it. There's, a, there's a couple of bits that felt a little bit like from an American sitcom, but I think that's something that came later rather than it's got very bouncy comedy film music in places mm. which which works nicely but at the same time I think hasn't aged necessarily well I don't know it it, it felt a little bit like comedy music right okay at, at times like I say it's the happy jolly one there's some beautiful bits of music in it it's just that one happy jolly bit oh yeah uh huh kind of thing there were a couple of bits where the kind of operatic swell of yeah. the music with the, the scene this the, the morning after that they've slept together there's a there's a terrific bit where you see the the sun coming up and it's yeah the music just swells and it's like a new day you know and the music as well when the share kick in the can scene is very good there as well yeah <clears throat> i'm sure i read that the i think it was juice and didn't he didn't want that song, you know, the that's Amore. He no, it was meant that. to be an operatic piece. Whether yeah. it was the operatic piece from later in the film, it was meant to be I that. Think so. that was I think be the, the test audience felt that they'd been tricked into seeing an arty film. Mm. So they put oh, in that's Amore instead, so the film's book ended with that I think that it song, stuck with it? me because he, my memory is he said something like, well, why are we putting this song in? I hate this song. And the idea that he made this film, it's so good, and it's every time he watches it, it's got this song he hates. Yeah, theme tune for it. How how interesting! It's such an on the nose choice as well. I mean, I like yeah. I like the song, but mm. it, it feels very like you know they're sitting around. They're like, we've got a film about an American Italian American family. Would you do my yeah. Asamori? It's like, yeah, fuck yeah. it, that'll do. Cliche. It's, it's probably cheap. Yeah, <laughs> and it's 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 very good. It's very, it's very good in the film. Yeah, and I, I do sometimes think. And then we, we cut straight to a dead body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the death. It's full of death. I, I do like the uh, 
funeral director's satisfaction at you know the compliment of you've done a great job and mm-hmm. then you know if you've done such a great job why have you got butter on your tie <laughs> you see that big That's lump right. of butter fall on the floor <laughs> <laughs> but there's little bits in it as well it's like when they're talking about cosmo's moon Mm. He says about you were dreaming. It's like no, you were there, and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Like, What's that? That's right. That's right. Yeah, you were like, there. That's that's going to pay off somewhere. And then when yeah. he's looking out the window later, and he sees Cosmo's moon, and he's like, Is Cosmo there? He's looking down on the street, and again, you never see what he's looking at on the street. Yeah. And obviously, he gets distracted by wanting to get frisky with his wife. That's right. I love that. I love. That's a great scene when they he's... do couples like that, and the yeah, the, the silly being in love kind of thing after all those years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I love this whole thing about you know the the whole thing of being married to the person you love is you know you're with the person you want to see. That's right, yeah. You know, it is a, it is a great little scene the two of them. It's and then it... I, I, and then he's so um, pleased the next day. Oh, he is, and he's just so in love with his wife again. Yeah, yes, yeah. and he's like, "Are you going done. on a date, Loretta?" And they're like, "What are you talking about? She's getting married." He goes, "Oh." He says, oh, that's romantic too. Yay. <laughs> he walks off singing to people at the end of the show. Yeah. He's just like, what's with him? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrific. It is. It's a wonderful thought of Little Mum. Um, sort of, I always like to sort of bring it up sort of at the end, but would you like to see a sequel or a remake? Obviously, in the age of legacy sequels. Mm. Well, I guess. Um... Or if they the did answer, a sequel, what would you like to see? Uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I would say my answer is no. I wouldn't. I like it where it is. Yeah. However, whenever I'm watching that final scene and and then they all it moves away from them and, and the film's coming to an end, I always think, oh, I always do feel like I want to know what, I want to see what they get up to next, you know. But then that's the sign of a good film, I think. Yeah. It's it's left me wanting to know more about them. That's but, it. It's, it's a perfect one and done. I think it yeah. would have to be what you said earlier. You know, they were the old people now, and well, that would be it. And there'd be and there'd be some thirty-year-old kid, you know, in it. And unfortunately, but, so many of them aren't with us anymore. Obviously, yeah. Olympia Dukakis, Vincent Gardini. They'd uh, be the four. Danny Aiello has died you know? as well, hasn't he? he yes, died. right. Yep. So I mean. Nah, You've got Cher and Nick Cage, you'd have nobody else left, kind of thing. Yeah, it, it would be the two of them in their life now, you know. And, and nothing against Cher, but she's so pinned back now. It, yeah. it wouldn't look right for Loretta. Yeah, I think just leave it. I think it's okay to not have a yeah. sequel. It's probably a good thing. No, I mean, when I ask the question, I'm not assuming people want sequels. I just like mm. to yeah. see in the age of remakes and that. I don't think it'd work as a remake either, because what would you do differently? Well, yeah, exactly. Other than having mobile phones, you couldn't yeah. change the script. It's perfect. The, the temptation maybe, would be to maybe six dogs instead of five. Or so. <laughs> <laughs> to, to add drama, but you don't. Need I think. It. I think generally, I'm. You know, as a as a miserable old father, I'm I'm not really into remakes and stuff anyway. No, because there was a spate of Norman Jewison films getting remakes. Obviously, Rollerball got remade in the late 90s. Mm, Thomas Crane Affair, which I actually preferred the remake, but I saw the remake before I saw the original, so that may sway me on that. Um, But yeah, there was a spate of like, they were just looking at Norman Jewison films and being like, remake that one next? Let's do that. Fortunately, late 90s, I think, was too close to when Moonstruck came out. I think Moonstruck Mm. was such a... It's one of those, it's lightning in a bottle, it's perfection as it is. 
Yes. I don't know what you could do to improve on it with a remake. And if you can't improve on it, what's the point of remaking it? Of course, they probably will remake it because they'll remake everything, won't they? If, there, if there's money to be made, they'll they'll have a go. Yeah, I'm not sure if they will because it's not a Marvel film or a Star Wars film, so there's no franchise attached. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if there's no money to be made, they'll leave it. I, I don't think they could Top Gun Maverick it. So. Wrapping up on Moonstruck, then, is there anything you want mm. to add to it or any other bits? I think we've covered. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's just that to me, it's an absolute classic. To me, it's a great film. Great film. I mean, it's getting it's like nine out of ten. It's right up there in the scores wise for me. Yeah, got it on DVD. Watched it endlessly. When I recorded it off TV, watched it about you know a million times through the nineties and and beyond. This was back in the days before they invented DVDs, Stuart. Yeah. No, I remember taping films off the telly and then yeah. you'd like see it in Woolworths to actually buy the proper one. And that'd be That's like, right. you don't need Footloose, you've got Footloose at home. It's like, mm-hmm. I've got it taped off the telly. It's like, it's the same, same film. Uh, same thing. It just doesn't have the, the insert on the plastic That's case. That's all. So to me, I'd recommend it to anybody. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm really pleased you picked it for this because it was so good to actually finally watch it. Having thought mm-hmm. I'd seen it as well, which is... Bizarre. Yeah, it's funny to say because it was very successful. It did get a lot of um, critic, um, you know, appreciation, and it won Oscars and all that. And yet, it is thirty-five years ago. Things yeah. do disappear a bit, you know. So I think there's probably quite a lot of people that have not seen it. Yeah, and would this, just go, "Oh, some some share film," you know. There's you so think many that, gems from it. that time. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That sort of. Like my oldest is slowly getting into eighties films. Obviously, nothing like this. He's like Ghostbusters and Ferris Bueller oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it's weird as well that you know, you think of like when you watch this in the eighties, like thirty years ago to them was like black and white and sometimes clunky as well. <laughs> but then you look mm-hmm. at eighties stuff. Weird how you don't really see that as having aged. Obviously, you know, it's got the eighties styles, but yeah. It's when you look at the new stuff that comes out now. Well, I do, and I just go, I don't understand why I should watch this. Yeah, this, this means nothing to me. So my my head has obviously stuck, you know, in that style, the eighties, nineties style, you know. Yeah, no, I just it reminds me how much I miss films like this because a yeah. film like this, it, it get lost at the cinema now. It either goes straight onto streaming or it'd be mm-hmm. like confess fletch or something like that gets in the cinema for a week and then yeah i mean you do get good films it. now you know that are yeah. interesting and good but you're right they're not like oh, there was one i watched last week a new one it was um white noise all right and i like that i thought that was interesting i think adam driver's a very interesting yeah actor to look at and i thought the writing in that was odd so it was good i would say i liked that Yes, and no, a Barnbark one, isn't it? Uh, it's yeah. on my list of ones to watch. I just haven't got around to it yet. It's um, it's just like I say, it seems to be franchise or mm. franchise kicking off kind of films that get. Whereas this, at the time it came out, would have had a lot of noise around it. Yes. Whereas exactly. now, a romantic comedy like this, because no. the last one would have been George Clooney, Julia Roberts one, um, oh, Ticket yeah. to Paradise. That was yeah. the last one that came out that sort of felt like one of those. Yeah. Late 80s, mid 90s, like you know, romantic comedies that got a big cinematic release. 
you know, you've got to you've got to really in a way well with any film, I think, but with these especially, you've got to kind of love the both of them in a funny yeah. way. You've got to love the guy and the woman. Yeah. And so I just don't love George Clooney. I See, don't even I, 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 I don't, don't even love Julia Roberts either, to be honest. I've I've got yeah. time I've got time for Clooney, but <laughs> Yeah. He's um again that's sort of my era of going to the cinema as well was around that. Of course, yes. Out of sight. Mm-hmm. Ocean's Eleven. Yep. Kind of mm-hmm. Pete Clooney. And again, you don't really get movie stars like that anymore. It's no. It's all bullshit now, isn't it? It it it's fine. It's you know, it's keeping cinema alive, I suppose, but I just miss the days where you were excited for that film that was coming out that had like Julia Roberts in it because it was mm-hmm. a Julia Roberts film and that's what yeah. the buzz was. Now it's yeah. like it's the next Marvel film, it's the next DC film, it's the next Star Wars film. Yeah. I mean, the only one you sort of get with that now potentially is it's the next Tom Cruise film, but that's mm. Mm. either a Mission Impossible or a Top Gun. Yeah. So they've they've got a franchise name built into them kind of thing. Mission but Impossible 7. I'm so looking forward to it. Oh yeah. I love the Mission Impossibles. That's good. Um but I'm just hoping it's not gonna let me down. I don't think it will, will it? Because I, no, I don't think so. Aren't they getting better as they go? This is what I hear. I love the first one. The first one's still my favourite. Okay. Um just because I'll always have a nostalgic soft spot for it. And I think it is the best put together films. Um it's not so reliant on, you know, the crazy shit Tom Cruise has done this time. Stapled himself to the side of a helicopter or something. <laughs> yeah, but um, oh, well. but they are spectacles, mm-hmm. and I do love them for that. And Fallout was a great movie. Um, but yeah, I, like I say, I love, I do love all that stuff. Maybe not so much the current Marvel stuff, but it's all a bit seems to be relying on the fact it's a Marvel film rather than a decent script. But I do miss films like this be in the big cinema release kind of thing um but yeah it's just a great film and it was great having thought i'd seen it going in and not really knowing a lot about it i, I missed mm. that's what i miss about video shops is just picking a video up because you like the look of the cover and the blurb on the back or whatever yeah just pretty much blind faith and then being like i paid two quid to rent this i'm gonna fucking watch it <laughs> yes you don't get that now with streaming it's like if it's shit you'll turn it off after 10 minutes if you rented a film from the video shop and paid you two quid, you're like, I'm watching this all the way through. I paid for it. Unless it's absolutely abhorrent in the yeah. first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, animals, kids, everything just getting blown away. It's not for me. It's going off. <laughs> yeah, it was more of an event, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd gone out, you'd rented this thing. That's or it. you'd gone out to the If you just parted with your money, you'd made the effort to either walk yeah. across the street to the video shop. My first flat had a video shop in the garage opposite. Mm. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Never bored, poor, but never bored. <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. But yeah, no, like I say, thank you for picking this film. I really, really enjoyed watching it, and I'm, I can see me watching it again quite soon because it's one of those ones that sticks in your head. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I really hope if people, well, I'm hoping if people who listen to this, they've seen the film. But if not, I really hope they. I mean, we ruined it for you. <laughs> but that's true. Yeah. Spoilers. That's it. Well, say, I mean, that, say that right at the end of your podcast. I always put a spoiler warning in the description. Not that anybody ever reads descriptions, but yeah, 
I don't. I'm just like, you know, oh, it's the new that comics. Well, I'll put it on. <laughs> you know, for example. And everything gets ruined. That's it. They're <clears> like, <throat> oh, they ruined that fucking Kirby comic for me, the bastards. Uh, and now I'm hungry. <laughs> but we'll, we'll come on to that in a bit. Listen, Johnny. There's a question I want to ask. I want you to tell me the truth, if you can. Why do men chase women? Well, there's the Bible story. God. God took a rib from Adam and made Eve. Now, maybe men chase women to get the rib back. When God took the rib, he left a big hole there, a place where there used to be something. And the women have that. Now, maybe, just maybe, a man isn't complete as a man without a woman. Why would a man need more than one woman? I don't know. Maybe because he fears death. That's it. That's the reason. I don't know. No. That's it. Thank you. Thank you for answering my question. Uh, Before that, I like to end episodes with first-time guests with the Bernard Pivo questions from inside the actor's studio. If you fancy having a bash at asking them, uh, asking them, answering them. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know if I'll have good answers, but why not? Give it a bash. Yeah, that's it. What is your favourite word? My favourite word? Is uh, I don't I don't think um, my brain works that way. I, I don't think I've got favourite words. Was there a, was there a movie years and decades ago where they're discussing this is my favourite word? Uh, in and uh, and somebody says like windowsill or something. Does that ring a bell? There's something in Dino where he says about a word he was never comfortable with, which was nuance. Uh, no, talk, I'm thinking more like. I'm thinking some old musical from the fifties or something. Yeah, that does ring a bell. And uh, and I and I think I'm watching that as a kid. I then thought, what's my favourite word? Then I want to have a favourite word, but I was never able to think of a favourite word. No, that's I know, fair I know, I know. Uh, uh, there's words that I think are funny, and that if I just say them and they're funny, right? Uh, flannel. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think flannel was hilarious. Flannel's uh, one of those words, isn't it? It could be funny, flannel. it could be grim. It could be... That's and that's beaten only by falafel. <laughs> <laughs> falafel flannel. You know, years ago, uh, my wife said to my son when he was very young, "Go through and say to Dad, flannel." And he went, "What? Why?" I mean, he was like just barely able to talk at the time, and he came through, "Dad, yeah, flannel," and I burst out laughing, <laughs> and he, he stood looking like, "Who is this man? You know what's happening here?" So okay. unable, unable to think of an actual favourite word, I'll go for uh, flannel or falafel. I think flannel's a good one, and it's got yeah, um, it's got a history to it. And there's that, that store, isn't there, in the fashion, you know, and you see posters on the underground and stuff, flannel, it says. <laughs> and I always laugh at that. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, then. This one might be equally as difficult, but what is your least favourite word? Yeah, yeah, I don't. I can't think of a, a least favorite one either. Uh, 
I mean, I guess you could think of some, like, people will usually say someone like, uh, it sums up some situation, eh? So it'll be like, uh, wake up or something. You know, my, my least favourite word is wake up, because I don't <laughs> want to get up out of bed. But that's kind of cheating, you know. I, no, I, think I'll, I think I'll maybe just give no answer for that. Yeah, that's fine. I, I don't take offence at words. They're just bunches of letters, you know. I, I find lush objectionable. Lush, yeah, like the shop yeah. as well. Just you know, that's well lush. It's particularly yeah. down here in the uh, Gloucestershire, mm. Somerset area. Mm. It, it okay. doesn't suit the accent at all. <laughs> right, right. Uh, what turns you on, either creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Creatively, uh, uh, I like. I find myself getting more and more emotional with good storytelling as I see it you know yeah. good on TV or reading a book or a, a comic of course or or whatever just when something goes in a good order and it's clever and, yeah. and, then, it, and then it comes like oh well of course that was going to happen you know uh, I love that I, 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 I feel like um, I, I'd like to hope I can do something like that in my own work you know Yeah. but, but watching it is like Russell T Davis you know yeah his, I mean, it's just so clever. He's he's always able to think of things that I can't think of. You know, he sets up a load of stuff, and I usually when I'm watching most things, they'll set it up for you, right? And this is that, and you're watching it, and you go, oh, probably that'll happen, or maybe that, and then one of those things happened, you know, and you go, that was good, that was enjoyed that. But he was always able to take it somewhere, and I was just aghast yeah. at the sheer inventiveness and you know, audacity in a way yeah. of it. And um, so that turns me on in, yeah. in a creative way. And then maybe, you know, women turn me on. <laughs> women like Cher <laughs> turn me on. Loretta. <laughs> All right, uh, what turns you off? I don't know, horrible. People being horrible, you know? Yeah. Just think, stop it. What the hell? Yeah. You know, <laughs> shitty little people fucking... You know, messing with me or somebody else, and just fucking stop it. You know, I know, I know, everybody's got like issues, and you know, we don't have perfect childhoods and all the fucking rest of it. You know, <clears throat> and, and you know, there, there's reasons, but you know, why the fuck do I have to put up with it? You know, why don't you go and sort yourself out and leave me alone? How's that? Yeah, it's <laughs> it's that weird two hander, isn't it? Of like, you know, Twitter. It's like I'm touch wood, mm. been lucky. I've had great experiences and interactions with people on Twitter and met people through Twitter. But on yeah. the other hand, there is that dark, seedy thing that just don't walk into it. <laughs> that's it. That's that's the perfect example. I mean, you're on Twitter, you're reading, you know, you know you'll know, you be on it, you're saying, uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about Superman films or something, and I'm like, nice one, I'll listen to that. Next guy, why the fuck are all these people, blah, 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 that's sick, blah, blah. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, get a hobby, you know? <laughs> I always think that with these people. Get a hobby. What are you bothered about other people's lives for? And it's all this kind of, well, well you, you know what, you know, people losing their minds about transsexual issues and all this. And I'm like, fuck's sake. It's just people losing their mind over the weirdest shit. Yeah, that Pink Floyd album that oh. had the rainbow on the cover. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You know, And but people generally, oh, I loved them for 50 years. I'm never listening again. They... Pink Floyd are woke, you know, this is, but, and you think, nah, I mean, this can't be real, but it is real. People freaking out and really having a very negative impact on other people's lives. Yeah. Through all the bullshit they're spouting. 
Whereas, if the, you know, what would be good if they just shut their fucking faces and got a hobby? Why don't they start reading comics? It's like when you put, like, you know, I've just watched Moonstruck. I love that film. You can guarantee at some point, if it's seen, somebody will jump on and be like, that film's a piece of shit, you're a twat. Yeah, and you're like, well, thanks for that. That's it. it. The, the only reply to that is, oh, I quite liked it, but, you know, I'm sorry you didn't, but I hope there's something out there you do enjoy. Because they're yeah, like, what and the then, fuck you can know, I go do with that? And mute or you, block. You, you threw or something whatever, positive yeah. back at them and you can just leave it alone there. Yeah, That's the other trouble. Is it's not worth getting in fights over. <laughs> like, if you're not no, wanting something no. nice to say on somebody's comment that's a positive one, just walk away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Some people just go on it looking for fights and clicks and likes. and Well, that's how they interact, that isn't it, with the world, yeah. you know. Say it's such a bizarre thing, but so that turns me off, or you know, Jeffrey Archer, yeah, two equally valid. <laughs> um, all right, what sound or noise do you love? I I like the sound of airplanes flying overhead, funnily enough. No, I can see that, and it, it takes me back to being a kid, you know. At home, just I must have been happy, you know, safe times, you know, reading my comics in my bedroom or whatever, and airplanes just going over as a kid. We got a lot of little light aircraft and yeah. stuff in Dundee going over, and you know, I was well into adulthood before I noticed that. <laughs> you know, it, it was like in maybe in the last 10 years, a plane went over, and I thought, I like that noise, you know, but I just felt it, and then I suddenly noticed, I went. I like that noise every time there's a plane comes over. Why is that? And then I thought about it, and I, and I went back to yeah, my childhood bedroom. It's it's that weird childhood thing that the excitement of seeing a plane. Hmm. So obviously, I wasn't even paying attention. Yeah. I just heard it, and I was reading my comic. I didn't even think about it when I heard it. Yes, yeah, it's a sound association kind of. Thing. Yeah. It's like. So I, you know, it's the title of your podcast, but the smell of comics. I can smell a comic and I'm instantly back. Me, led on my stomach, on my bedroom floor, reading comics and copying pictures from them. Great times. It's like sound, smell, all those senses, but just mm. take the, the greatest time machine ever. Yeah. Uh, until you're like, oh, I remember that, eBay. <laughs> that's right. Then you're like, why have you bought this shit? It's like a smell, yeah. a familiar smell. Like, that's you know, not it's, a valid it's, reason. It's... All right, then. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Uh, uh, I don't know. Probably standard stuff, screechy noises. You know, yeah. babies crying uncontrollably. That's upsetting, is it? Yeah. I mean, that's obvious, but who wants that? No, it's, it's upsetting on so many levels as well, isn't it? Because it's like that yeah. child is clearly in distress, and it's bothering yeah. me. Why is it in distress? Why can't we comfort it? But at the same time, it's like it's such a horrible fucking noise as well, and it also yeah. takes you back to the just nodding off, and then your own child crying at the window. That's right. Like, why was yeah. asleep? But right then, uh, the big one. What's your favourite curse word? Probably, probably just standard fuck. You know, it's fuck. It, it's a wonderfully versatile word. I like, I like the police. You know, the band, the police. Yeah. And uh, Stuart Copeland, their drummer, he did a he he spent all the years on tour filming everything with his like super eight camera oh the everybody stares documentaries all yeah that, yeah it? so you've seen that and i love the police massive oh, police fan. Dude, i love them as well man big um, thrill was i got to see them live when they did the reunion thing yeah same here 10 or 15 years ago because i never yeah. thought i'd get to see them that's right that's like, right to come together I, was like, I don't care what it costs we're getting tickets for this do you know just to get off where i was going and i'll probably forget where i was going 
But my, me and my cousin used to always be, because we'd miss the police. You know, we were too young. Uh, if the police ever get together again, we'll, you know, I don't care. Like you just said, I don't care what it costs, I'm going. And then, uh, and then they did reform, and they were doing Wembley Arena. <clears throat> and uh, it was like tickets. Uh, well, when I went to get a ticket, it was like ticket a hundred pound. Yeah. I thought, well, fuck. Well, make it five hundred. I'm fucking going, you know. And so that was my attitude. And I went and told him, and he went, "Oh, that's a bit much." And I thought, what? I mean, so not to be fuck? flipping about money, but come on, we'd, we'd already agreed on this ten years ago. Yeah. And then as soon as it's a hundred pounds, you always look at um at the at the time concert tickets are always extortionate, and then you always look back on them, you know. And it's like, yeah. yes, yes, live at Wembley Arena, nineteen seventy four, you know, two pound fifty. That's it. And you can just imagine everybody freaking out about the cost of that at the time. Anyway, it was great, great concert. That's it, and it was the police. It wasn't like you know Sting, Stuart Copeland, and a mate they dragged in. It was yeah, the, it was the, the original lineup. Which yeah, is... you need the three. I love the police. I'm I'm glad you're saying that. In fact, if I had it to hand, I would show you my. I got the the police live LP for Christmas. Oh, I got it on CD with the the one with the DVD and Blu-ray. Yeah, around yeah. the world or something. It's called. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Love it. Yeah, I I love the bit. Is it in Everybody Stares or in something else where they're interviewing? Is he interview interviewing Stuart Copeland and he says something? Sting just runs in and fucking takes him out. That's right. Yeah, he, you're he amazed was, he, that band put out that many albums before they were they... always fighting. Yeah, he actually says something and he gets annoyed, so he just throws his water in his yeah. face and then he goes off and then they just start fighting on the floor. You know, I'll tie this back to where I started, which was the swear word. Yeah, the bit on the on that DVD is Sting talking to the audience and you just hear him going, Hey, you, you, you fucking bastard, speaking to somebody in the audience, and you're like, Wow, that's. That's stagecraft, you know. Sting. I mean, Sting's from Newcastle, eh? And he's out there, so he's he's ready to. Yeah. He's ready to sort people out, you know, <laughs> especially when he's trying to sing. Hey, you, you're you fucking bastard. <laughs> so I'll just go with fuck. It's a boring one, but it's a classic. No, no, it's it's not like say it's a one. It can be used, in, you know, fuck, fuck, fucking all yeah. the variations of it. It's a wonderful space filler as well. If you're frustrated and can't think of the word. Mm. Yeah. All right then. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? What would I like to attempt? Um, <clears throat> seeing as we're talking about the police, I suppose I want to be a rock star or someone like that. You know, yeah. that'll do. That'll do. I can't think of anything realistic. I've never quite figured out what profession I do want to do in this real life. Never mind yeah, getting onto some I'm, fantasy. I'm Forty-three, and I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> I think if you can land with someone you're, you know, happy, happy enough with, yeah, you've done well. Yeah, that's it. You know, I don't. But that's how I feel. I don't. I don't know how many people go to work and do a profession and they're ecstatic every day. You know. No, but if you can, you know. Yeah, I enjoy you, what my work. You know. You don't want to maim yourself to get out of going to work. No. I tell this story a lot. I used to work with a guy when we used to drive forklifts. He used to stick his leg out when you're reversing your forklift to get it run over. Jeez. So we could get out of work. Like, if you hate the job that much, man, just go. I mean, that's doing permanent damage to yourself, you know? It's like, how bad is your day going that you're, that's your constant trick? Yeah. Just try wow. and get yourself maimed at work. I suppose he wanted to pay out as well, but. You know, there's, there's, you can kind of make. 
I mean, probably some jobs it's not possible because they're too awful. But, you know, you try to make whatever you're doing work for you, yeah. you know, just to whatever extent, whatever that means. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then hopefully you can, you know, I mean, it all sounds so easy from a distance, doesn't it? Um, but, you know, you're in a job, try looking for someone else. Yeah. It's, it's no easy. It's no easy for anybody. And I've been in jobs I hated, you know. That's it. It can make you depressed and everything, you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've been there as well. It's uh, yeah. I've took this the wrong way. It was meant to be. What job do you want to do? No, no, yeah, no. I want it's... to be a rock star. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So I'd love to be a songwriter. I just I'd... don't understand how to structure writing a song. It's like I can write a film script. I can write short stories. I can write a comic. Yeah. Just writing a song. Just you can write lyrics. Yeah. No. No, because I can't get a tune in my head. Just copy a, a tune you like. Yeah. Write the words to go with that tune and don't tell anybody what the tune was. <laughs> That's what I used to do. That was the trick. And then you'd give it to somebody else. They did the music bit. Um... It's a secret. It's a, That's a tip for you. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, again, it's... I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm one of those people, I like music, but I don't understand music enough to yeah. think you, critically about. You enjoy it. Yeah. I just enjoy it as music, and I enjoy all kinds of music. I've got no time for musical snobbery. All right then, yeah. Sort of leading on nicely. What profession would you not like to do? Well, I don't fancy, I don't fancy being an officer of the law. Yeah, I don't, I don't fancy being out on the streets. You know, doing whatever they do. Yeah, <clears throat> getting involved in, you know bad situations or going out creating bad situations I don't, I don't know what the police are getting up to but I feel like I don't I'll leave them to do that I don't want to I don't want anything it's it's one of those things nothing but respect to the people who do it and you know mm. do it well mm. yeah but not something I'd ever want to do yeah I was speaking to somebody to, at my to put yourself in the middle of a fight just feel mm. like no I don't even want to be like one side of a fight <laughs> and you know I think uh, I'm probably overreaching here now, but they, they, the police are bound to see a lot of the worst sides of what's going on, right? Yeah. So once you've seen that, I mean, to me, I'm saying that to you and you're hearing it, and it's kind of just a vague, abstract, oh, there's nastiness out there, eh? And that's about all I know about it, you know. But they're actually living it. They're, they're seeing it, they're standing, it's in front of them. And it's ongoing and it's all the time. And I just think that's going to affect how you view the world. Isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can't watch a TV programme where like, a guy's wiped out his entire family. Imagine walking oh, into that. Yeah. I just, no, I don't know how you'd have to... I mean, again, nothing but respect to people who do it because I just wouldn't have the mental capacity to process that. I mean, be able to compartmentalise it and leave mm, it. Mm -hmm, that's it. And I don't even think some of them do. I mean, a lot of them are haunted by stuff they see. Yes, just that's right. Live with it, kind of thing, Absolutely. rather than. It's just, yeah, no. It's a, it's a it's a big um, big price to pay, I think. For that yeah. Type thing. All right then, and um, last question then: If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? God, uh, well, I think he. First of all, he could uh, apologize. You know, right? <clears throat> if he was there, he could say. Uh, Look, sorry, sorry about all the hassle, you know. 
that all the hassle you've had and all the hassle that's going on in the world and sorry about all that. And then yeah, uh, and then you could say, look, I know you've you've probably got questions. And I'd be like, uh huh. The answer to all of which will be like, I move in mysterious ways. Well, I would like maybe you know what would be nice if you could if you could assure me that everything is okay. Yeah. And I could believe him. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say in this scenario, he is God, he is the boss of Abraham, he's the main man, he's a good guy, he's right, what he's saying is right. And then I believe all this, and then he says to me, Listen, everything is everything is okay. And then he'll explain it to me. And then I'll believe it. Yeah. And then, and then that's a happy little fantasy ending to, to my life. No, I think that's you just want to know everything's okay now. Yeah, that's there's a, there's a wonderful that's comfort a in that. I think that's yeah. like, you know that might be the best answer I've had to that question so far. Well, good, thank you. That's really awesome. All right then. Um sort of before we go, what have you got coming up from you? Obviously you've got Fred Egg comics and that comic smell is Oh yeah. Uh, continuing Fred Egg. The, Yes. That the, comic the, smell, yeah. The comics and snacks podcast. Yes. Uh I've got I've got minty chocolate here. Ooh. And it's uh what's it called? The light do you know do you know this? The light company. Dark mint. No, I don't think so. Uh no added sugar. Uh, I've got to cut back on the sugar. Uh, yeah, no. The doctor said. Yeah, see I'm I'm waiting for the doctor to tell me I've got to do that. Until then yeah. I'm gonna live yeah. it to the full. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, good. Um so yeah, that's the that's the snacks are always sorted, and we we uh we did our intention fails last week there, you know. Oh, cool. We all say we're going to do three books or so, and then we report back and say what we thought about them. Yeah, because I, I started doing intention fails. I've been listening to you guys, and I think one year I did it. Yeah, well, every other all the other years I've failed. Yeah, so that's that was the intention fails and what have you, and um, uh. We're doing another comic. We're all working away on it. Uh, awesome. That comic smell comic three, and uh, we're all at different stages on that. And I'm, I'm actually working on a, a longer story comic. I do these things and they go for like four or five years. I work away on them in the yeah. background, you know. And then bell time will come out. Yeah. And 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 I've been working on that since you know five years before. So I've got one percolating away that I've been working on for awesome. uh, and then in between that I do bits for different I did a I did a thing there for there's an American zine called Pocket Thoughts. Right. And I did a cartoon for them. Uh and then actually I did uh, I did another thing for this cartoonist Mark K Z uh I, I write things for him, and he and he draws them, and usually I print them up in my comic. But then he turned around, he's in Brazil, he turned around and said, I'm going to collect a bunch of stuff I've done, and I want to print the ones I did for you. Can I do that? And he translated them into Portuguese. So it's the first stuff I've done that's been translated. So that was awesome. a thrill for me, yeah. Yeah. Um, I said, yeah. Like I said before we started recording, popped up on Comic Tropes. In his, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Comics. Reject all was out yeah. a couple of months ago, and uh, I bumped into Comic Tropes in New York, uh, and he was a nice, friendly fellow. Yeah, uh, so he I comes across said, like that on his videos. I know yeah. on the videos that you know it's a personality, but he does come across as genuine on the videos. So. 
yeah, he had his mask on, and I just heard them talking. And I thought, that's, that's got to be him. And I actually went up and said, hey, excuse me, are you comic tropes? <laughs> I you, been like, you know, I should have said, are you Chris? Uh, I, thought, I thought, what's he saying? You should be like, did you used know. to hang around with Phoenix Jones? <laughs> that video <laughs> with him talking about his time with Phoenix Jones is fucking mental. Yeah, I should have brought that up, but I didn't. Because you look at him and you're like, you're not like the kind of go, like, you know, big street vigilante kind of thing. Mm. But I know he said he was like, you know, in shape then and built, not to say he's out of shape now, digging a hole there. But yeah. You know, he knows he knows a, a lot and he's done a lot of good videos. And then there was something on recently and, and there were, maybe it was a tweet. It was like, when did you start reading comics? And I saw he'd answered and he wrote 2016. And I thought, wow, he's quite new. Yeah, I would assume it would have been longer than that. Yeah, I thought it was like a lifelong. Because he he's like, seems to know people like Kirkman and that, and mm. whether that's just through doing that then, or yeah, maybe I misread it. I don't know. But no, it wouldn't surprise me. Mm. Went all in. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Uh, so that's but, it. Just making comics all the that's time, awesome. and uh, going going on the podcasts. This isn't a comics podcast. This is new for me. Nah, it's all it's all the same. It's it's it, well, yeah. There's similarities. That's for all, sure. It's all creative storytelling and that. And yeah, I'm always happy to talk comics as well. So great. It's, it's nice to get comics. It's nice to get comics. People not talking about comics sometimes as well. Not that you mm. know, I don't want to hear them talk about comics, but just mm-hmm. nice to hear them get excited about other things. Yeah. But, but no, awesome. I mean, I'll put all the links and everything in the show notes to like Fred Ed Comics and that Comics Man and all that. And um, and yeah, so people will hopefully come and find you online and yeah, buy some come say hello. Yeah, no, cheers for coming on. Like I say, thanks again for picking this film. I really enjoyed it. Cheers, man. Thanks for coming on. Take care. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Loretta, I can't marry you. What? If I marry you, my mother will die. What the hell are you talking about? We're engaged. Loretta, what are you talking about? I'm talking about a promise, okay? He proposed. Because my mother was dying, and now she's not. Oh, Johnny, you're 42 years old. She's still running your life. And you are a son who doesn't love his mother. You are a big liar, okay? Because I have a ring right here. Well, I must ask for that back. Uh, You know, all right, the engagement is off. In time, you will see that this is the best thing. In time, you'll drop dead, and I'll come to your funeral in a red dress. Loretta. What? you marry me? What? Where's the ring? Johnny, can I borrow that ring? Thanks. Loretta Castorini, will you marry me? Yes, Ronnie. In front of all these people, I'll marry you. Do you love him, Loretta? Ma, I love him awful. Oh, God, that's too bad. She loves me. What's the matter, Pop? I'm confused. That was Moonstruck. And why not? I'd like to thank David for joining me on this episode to talk about the film. Be sure to check out Fred Egg Comics and the That Comic Smell podcast by checking the links in the show notes. At the time of recording this episode, Moonstruck is available in the UK on DVD and Blu-ray. 
or to stream on the MGM channel on Prime Video. It's also available to purchase or rent digitally from Prime Video, YouTube and Sky. We put a shout out on the socials for your thoughts on and memories of seeing the film and we had a couple of replies. Jalen Sala on Twitter said, Moonstruck is one of the most genuine emotional films I've ever seen. Cher had a brilliant acting career and this one's proof of it. Space Odds 1985 also on Twitter said, both of this film and About Time, interesting takes on the romantic genre, but overall very strange and dare I say cerebral films. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts on the film, you can get involved in the conversation wherever you see this episode posted on social media. So if you aren't already, give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram, or why not join the And Why Not group over on Facebook. Not only will we be kept up to date on the, what episodes are coming up and have the chance to contribute to them, but we also post our picks of three great movies to check out on Freeview TV in the coming week. If you fancy joining us, just search And Why Not Pod on social media or check the links in the show notes. I've also set up a Slack channel for the podcast where you can get involved in film talk that's more focused on films itself and the podcast. It's just hopefully going to be, it's early days, but it's hopefully going to be a fun little film community. If you'd like to get involved and join, just either send me a message on social media or drop me an email at hauntednerds at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this episode and be bothered to do so, please give the episode a share and tell your friends about it. And why not give the series a follow or subscribe over on Acast or wherever you listen to the episodes. If you're feeling super generous we'd be grateful for a rating if you have a second or two to spare or don't we're just grateful you spent the time listening to us and if you've missed any and why not episodes so far you can find them on our podcast channel over on acast apple music spotify google podcast good pods or on our website at hauntednerds.com in the meantime i'll be back next tuesday 21st of february where i'll be joined by tom stewart to keep the rom-com theme going as we discuss the 2013 richard curtis sci-fi-ish rom-com about time but until then, this has been a Nosy Haunted Themselves production, and I've been Stuart Moraine. Thanks for listening, and remember, we aren't here to make things perfect. Bye for now. I don't know what you mean. I know you don't. That's the point. I'll say no more. You haven't said anything. And that's all I'm saying. You're not